This is First Contact, stories of the call center. Brought to you by Noble Biz, your one-stop shop for all your contact center needs, both carrier and software. Each show, we talk to industry leaders on how they got their start in the call center industry, because let's be honest, it's not a dream job. Find all our episodes, you can go to our website, that's www.nobelbiz.com. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, or follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for future episodes. I'm here with Jake Bush, tech entrepreneur, skier, and founder and CEO of InFocus. Jake, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Yeah, thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So come on, you got to tell me, what's in focus? So in focus, you know, is a software solution that provides a marketplace of agents for customer service, sales and marketing. So think of, you know, Uber for call centers, um, Uber for marketing professionals. Uh, Our customers are a consumer goods product company that, um, you know, uses our software to facilitate sales, customer service. Um, and just general, you know, uh, operational procedures. And instead of, you know, uh, scaling to uh, or outsourcing to the Philippines or India, they're able to do that right in the software solution as an actual marketplace. So they essentially have on-demand agents for customer service, sales and marketing professionals. Yeah, I was just about to say, sounds like an on-demand model. Sounds like when you need it, you use it and then you scale it as required for your business application. Yep, exactly. Got it. So come on, I look at the name in focus. There's a five. Why the five <laughs> instead of the S? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's, uh, it's quite simple. It, uh, it was a short domain name at the time. And, um, you know, we started with Infoku five and, you know, people weren't really adapting to the S we felt like it looked like an S, but you know, it was definitely started as Infoku five or Infocified. Um, we eventually kind of morph that into, hey, we have five products. So we have five, um, you know, product solutions that are feature sets. So it kind of added to the narrative, um, you know, but now I think it's really caught on. So now people, you know, just instantly see it and they say in focus and it's just kind of natural. So it's pretty cool to see the progression, but it was not an easy uh, transition from in focus five to in focus. Well, what's interesting is I've heard it both ways. And I always wondered, like, which is it, right? And there's got to be a story there. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, how, how do we work this? Because the last thing I'm going to do is, like, you butcher someone's last name. It's like, guys, let me talk about your company and totally butcher how to say it. But then when I saw it in focus, I'm going, like, all right, I get it in focus. And then right now with the five, you know, it sounds like five core products or five core things in your business, uh, it has a play on that five. So that's awesome. So um, let's kind of take it back a little bit, right? You know, you, you as a, a child, you know, we're going to start at the beginning. So do you remember anything? Do you remember anything being a kid? Yeah, I uh, remember a lot, actually. Uh, you know, grew up in a small town, so I uh, had a pretty awesome, you know, experience growing up. Um, so, yeah, I, I remember a lot. My childhood childhood was very, uh, a, a great spot. Got it. So, I mean, is there any pastimes or anything that stuck with you? Something that kind of jumps out as a piece of that part of your life? You know, my, my parents moved to a small ski town called Telluride um, as ski bum hippies, you know, living out of a teepee, <laughs> <laughs> doing bar fights with, with miners back in the day. And, uh, you know, my dad actually started his first company as a heli, heli skiing operation. So 
I grew up, um, you know, in that, you know, kind of that, that world. So I got a chance to drop bombs from helicopters and wow. do a lot of backcountry skiing and heli drops all the time. So I think it definitely, uh, it, it, it certainly, uh, fed that kind of experience growing up. Um, and you know, I went to school for film production. So I think, uh, that creative element and that kind of outdoor experience definitely charged that. Um, so I, I think that's probably my biggest memory from the past. Well, I think with that kind of background, it'd be hard not to put yourself in a position to be skiing and let alone <laughs> the fact that you can jump out of a helicopter. You see it on TV, you see it in the movies, but you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of did that growing up. That was my thing. But <laughs> you went to school, you know, when you look at being a student, you know, what were you like as a student? You know, do you have recollection of kind of where you were in life and what that was like for you? Yeah, I think I was uh, the the child or the, the parent child nightmare, right? I, I think I was a horrible student, uh, you know, didn't do my homework, didn't really fully believe in necessarily the, uh, the curriculum at school. Um, I, I grew up ski racing. So I spent a lot of time, you know, in a correspondence, got a tutor type of schooling situation. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, I would say school was not my thing. I was not, uh, a school kid. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you were a competitor though, right? You, sure, you sure. personality wise, you, you were into competing. So, I mean, were there anything in particular that you were passionate about, but you know, it still plays a major part in your life today. Are you still that competitor? Yeah, I think naturally, you know, I grew up playing sports, you know, every type of sport. And, uh, I think sport and team drives my personality and drives my, you know, my being as a person. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, I grew up in a really ritzy town, um, you know, not having money. So I think you constantly are trying to have something to prove you're, you're competing in life, I suppose. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that kind of drives a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, a lot of different skills in life as you grow up and have experiences. Um, but certainly there, there's a lot of things that fuel passion and, you know, uh, a belief in, and getting to that next step and, uh, you know, kind of the grind, um, that it takes to get to that. Um, I think that's been a part of my life ever since I was young. Got it. So that being instilled in you, obviously you think back to your first job, right? You know, what was that? You know, when you first got that opportunity to start making money, um, and, and being in a position where you get a job. So what, what was that like for you? You know, I was, uh, I love food. So food is a huge <laughs> passion of mine. Um, <laughs> You know, so I, I had my first internship um, in in middle school as a as a you know in the cooking, uh, you know the cooking realm. So you know, I I sort of was that line chef, line cook. You know, I I my first kind of full summer job on my own was the you know the pastry. Uh, I was a pastry chef or pastry cook. Well, that's <laughs> um, dangerous if you like sweets. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But you know, it was a cool experience. You know, it was definitely you know, it was the restaurant lifestyle. And, you know, I think for a while there, I was pretty passionate about it and, you know, wanted to be a chef. And, um, yeah, I, I think that was really, you know, my, my dad did, did construction. So, you know, I helped with plenty of, you know, uh, concrete pours and manual labor <laughs> shit that I did. <laughs> um, so the first, first channel was, uh, was cooking. And then I think growing up in a, community where the film festival and just, you know, the beautiful scenery that we live in and the outdoors, um, kind of drove that next passion, which was film and, 
you know, creating dreams and turning them into reality through film. Um, so that's kind of, I think, really where I found a passion. Got it. So let's get that right. Jumping out of helicopters, skiing, <laughs> art, scenery. You got Colorado. You got um, uh, everything coming down to the cuisines and the foods. <laughs> How did you get into the call center industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's funny because every single person you talk to in the call center space, they got into it by accident and they can't get out of it. <laughs> <It's almost laughs> like this, uh, you, you are so right. <laughs> you're so right. No one said, yeah, that that's where I'm going right now. But uh, yeah. once you're there, so now you're, now you're there. So what got you, what got you here? You know, school, I, you know, I, um, you know, I had a career ending knee injury for ski racing. So oh, ended wow. up going to college in Santa Barbara and, you know, college is expensive, you know, beer and partying is expensive. <laughs> that, that, they got to feed the habit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I worked at a call center. It was right down the street from our, you know, our, uh, you know, our dorm room per se. And it was open 24 seven. You can make super good money, you know, um, you know, being an 18 year old and making 50, 60 bucks an hour during these kind of crazy surges in the call center space. Um, you know, it was, it was something you couldn't deny. It was the best opportunity to make cash, but then also have the flexibility to, to go to school and do whatever you wanted. So, I mean, that's how it started. And I think, as, you know, as it progressed, I actually enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I learned a lot from it as far as, you know, uh, the, the skills that you learn to actually, you know, do well on the phone as far as good customer experience, um, you know, good retention rates or, you know, processing sales and having high conversion rates, you learn a lot of skills and life skills. And then the coolest thing about a call center is it's like a melting pot of people, right? Yeah. You've got every ethnicity, you've got all different types of ranges of ages and experience. So you kind of have this cool environment where you get to meet a lot of cool people. Um, and, you know, that's infectious. And as long as you can stand the work that you do, um, you know, it, it's a cool place to be. And then I think as soon as every single time I got to that point where I'm like, all right, I got to get the hell out of this and go find a real job. Right. <laughs> um, you got sucked back in. I got sucked back in. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, I, I think what kept me around for the first waves, you know, um, more money promotions and, you know, kind of stick you around. And then, you know, then, then I really started to enjoy what I was doing and, and saw, um, you know, th that it was changing people's lives as it relates to this kind of melting pot of diversity and, you know, what people are getting out of it. Well, that makes sense. And I mean, having that connection to being able to make an impact. And then obviously for you, as a young adult, you're working your way up, you're making more money, you get more responsibility, you're seeing how things are changing. So I mean, now looking back retrospectively, you know, what would you have wished to have known? Now knowing what you know, back when you started? Huh. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think that's a, that's a loaded question to some degree. Cause I think, you know, I've, I've lived by trial and error, right. And you, you know, you get broken down or you learn things you know, and you learn from it and then you rise to the top from it. Um, so I don't know if there was really much I would change. Cause I think a lot of those experiences that, uh, were rough or rocky, they did help mold the future path. Um, so, so frankly, I, I don't know if I would change a whole lot. Well, it does sound like 
from your personality, being competitor, going in there, grinding. The next thing you know, something doesn't go right. You learn from it. It kind of builds you who you are as a person. You start to learn different things. It kind of builds not only your character, but your resiliency, because obviously there's things that don't always go right. Right. Yeah. And how, how you deal with that, especially in the call center space, uh, things don't always go right. So with that said, I mean, how do you stay calm? I mean, are there things that you do to keep you centered? Um, you know, it's funny cause like, you know, vision boards is something that you kind of learn, you know, early on is, you know, find a goal, find something to strive for and, uh, you know, create a vision board. So you have kind of this, you know, this poster of, of visuals to, to gravitate towards, um, you know, that, I think it starts there, but then as you progress and you get into more tumultuous, uh, situations and more stressful situations, um, you know, you lean on family, you lean on friends. And then as that doesn't become enough, I think finding your, your self center and, you know, finding some, some meditation, um, you know, I, I get teased all the time about enjoying yoga. So I do yoga a lot. <laughs> um, you know, and really kind of taking that time. So is it only the guys giving you a hard time or even the girls saying, hey, oh, what no, are it's you doing the, guys. the girls are like, hey, <laughs> come, come join your class Friday night. You know? <laughs> we, we missed you last week. Totally. <laughs> so, so yoga, uh, meditation sounds like a, a piece where you can kind of be in the moment and be able to kind of separate yourself from everything that's going on. Yeah, and the, I mean the outdoors. Um, you know, I, I moved my business from Santa Barbara to Telluride, you know, specifically for my daughter to grow up in the same, you know, the same environment that I did. But also, you know, you can check out, you can go out into nature and, you know, not have, you know, technology flooding you every day or push notifications or this, that and the other. So, yeah, I, I think definitely that finds me peace is the environment and, you know, getting off grid. Um, you know, a place where a lot of people don't understand. You're saying, Hey, I don't have any cell phone reception. I've got no internet. That's, and that's, like, that's the point. <laughs> how is that possible? Um, those are the times I think, uh, you know, I, I find the most joy and happiness and able to disconnect from the craziness. Let's take a break with a word from our sponsors. If you need to increase your contact rates, look no further than Local Touch, Nobel Biz's caller ID management tool with auto number rotation. It enables you to automatically cycle through multiple numbers without you having to worry about a thing. And if something goes wrong, we're here to help 24-7. Visit nobelbiz.com slash localtouch for more information. Yeah, and I think sometimes we're so intertwined and connected that we don't realize that disconnecting actually makes you realize there's something beyond all that stuff that's happening at you and to you at all moments. So I think that disconnect is really important. And obviously, you're in a place where the outsides are pretty awesome. So yeah. uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that allows you to really absorb. So let's, let's talk about when it comes to uh, setbacks. Are there any major things in life that really kind of threw things back for you or even had to question, like, where do I go or what do I do now? Yeah, um, I think there's probably a lot of them. You know, I think, uh, you know, my, my career in ski racing, you know, was, was my, you know, singular path to the future. You know, you know, graduating high school, my path was to be a professional skier. And, you know, to deal with the injury adversity of that situation, 
was definitely was a, was a rough time. And I think that was a time where you didn't know what was next. You didn't know what the next day was all about. So, I mean, certainly that was probably the most trying time, you know, um, mentally, physically, you know, do I want to be here type of situations. Right. Um, I mean, that, that's obviously the one that comes to mind the most, um, you know, after really kind of working in the call center, you know, brick and mortar industry, you know, I've started a few companies. So I think starting and failing in companies have, you know, those similar types of situations, but all the time. <laughs> um, I think that, <laughs> yeah, well, well, you got some good ones there, right? You got some that are literally right. kind of, I'm not going to say crushing your, 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 your dreams, but you know, sure. there was that, that aspect of this part of your life that you had planned. All right? of a sudden, it, you already knew what it was going to look like. What do I do taste that's different. And you go into business and obviously you have a, a perception of, you know, the business is going to succeed. It's going to do well, right? It's going to fit the needs you want. So, I mean, what do you think you learned from Is there anything in particular? That- uh, yeah, gosh, I mean, so many things, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, if I'm trying to think about something that specifically comes to mind, um, through those experiences is, um, gosh, you know, you got me kind of stumped a little bit here. Well, you know, it, look, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, it sounds like one of the things that when you have those hard times is how do you get past it? Right. How do you get through it to the next thing? Because a lot of people, sometimes when their dreams are crushed, they just don't know what to do. Sure. They don't know how to actually move on to something productive or something that potentially could be life-changing for them or, you know, for their family, if they already have a family at that point. So, you know, if, if uh, there's anything in particular that aligns with, Hey, you know, you go through something really hard, your dreams are crushed, or even a business fails where maybe other people's jobs were on the line. Right. And it's like, how do you deal with, those kinds of things, you know, those are all things that are yeah, critical. Totally. I mean, I think, I think the will to succeed is something that's fueled me for my whole life. Um, you know, I think when you're, when you, when you grow up in a way where you have to prove yourself every day, whether it's, you know, social economically, as far as, you know, your friends have everything handed to them and it's on a silver platter and, you know, you need to, to fight and work for everything. Um, you know, you kind of, you kind of build this character of, you know, not, you know, not failing, right. You do everything you can to succeed. Um, so I I think that was kind of ingrained in, into me through just life experiences, you know, through early childhood. Um, and that, and that definitely kind of leads into business. Right. And, and I think there's a lot of people that start businesses and fail. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I have a sense of competition and competitive nature, but also just that, you know, that will to win, um, you know, that I think, uh, probably drives me through some, some situations where maybe I shouldn't win. <laughs> I think that's probably my biggest fault is knowing when to say, okay, it's okay not to win. It's okay to admit defeat and pivot and switch gears because sometimes that will to win takes you through paths that you shouldn't be on. <laughs> you know, you yeah. could say, all right, you know what? Like, let my, my pride can settle a little bit. Let's, let's take a step back and say that was the wrong path to go. Let's go on a different path. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, a catch 22. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you think about it and, and it comes down to, 
when a life kind of has that that signal, that sign that maybe it's time to make a change, you know, we're not always the most in tune to be like, yeah, maybe I should do that. You know, we're kind of stuck in our ways. And sometimes uh, we break through it when it makes sense. And other times we have to realize something is the change is for a reason, right? And so, you know, you you were in the call center industry for a while, both as a participant and as a business owner. Um, there has to be something weird that happened, right? <laughs> something that was just, what's the weirdest thing? The thing that just happened in a call center, you're like, man, I can't believe this happened. Or <laughs> I can check that off my list, right? This finally happened. I'm good. Oh, man. Yeah. I, you know, the things that you experience in a call center are... I don't think things you can experience anywhere else in life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, uh, I, I think it's, it's, you know, in in Santa Barbara, we, you know, we were the largest employer in Santa Barbara for a long time. And, you know, our attrition was just crazy. Right. So, you know, you'd get anywhere, you know, it, it, it would be like the first stop from the rehab center of people falling off, or, you know, we'd be the, the first one for brand new freshmen coming in and trying to figure out what, what life is all about. You know, then you've got, you know, stay at home moms that are, you know, are, you know, are a PhD that they, you know, they just kind of retire to, to raise their kids. And now they need to find a job to just stimulate themselves or find some extra cash. So, you know, you put all these people into the same, same situation in the same place, <laughs> some, some pretty interesting things. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, gosh, I think all the things I can think of off the top of my mind are probably not radio <laughs> on Howard Stern. <laughs> so, 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 so in, in other words, the call center is, is uh, an environment that definitely allows people from all types, all places, all experiences to kind of, like you said, melting pot together and, uh, who knows when you're inside of a room locked in for a while, what happens? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I can imagine, you know, with just the stories I've heard of all the different <laughs> things that happen in a call center, you know, if nothing comes available, that's really appropriate for us to happen in the recording. I can just imagine that. So kind of let's, let's, let's hop to really business at hand, right? You know, in focus. Um, what prompted you to, to do in focus? I mean, what happened to get to that point? And you're just like, Hey, we're going to create this company. Sure. Well, you know, so I spent six years, you know, running, uh, you know, the, the, the massive call center out of Santa Barbara. We opened up a shop in Houston, Texas as well. Um, so we had thousands of employees in this massive brick and mortar, you know, cubicle boiler room type of setting, you know, more like a Vegas casino, right? It was, it was fun, but it was still, you know, um, you know, a traditional call center that people think of. Are you stuck in a contract with your telecom provider? Need new contact center solutions or a carrier? NobleBiz is the leading innovator in the contact center industry since 1998. From world-class productivity and compliance solutions to our dedicated customer support and service, NobleBiz does it all. And if you sign up with us, it won't cost you a dime more than you're currently paying today. If we don't deliver, then we don't deserve your business. It eventually got bought and sold so many times that it became really corporate, you know, and I had to lay off a lot of friends that I had grown up with through the, you know, through the company. And I decided that it was time to, you know, to start something new. So I decided to start my first company, which was, you know, centered around an online gaming wagering, you know, service. So play Madden against one of your buddies in the the other dorm room and you'd put some money on it and you do that through this, this application. 
that quickly, uh, you quickly learned you needed a lot of capital to do a lot of the stuff that was required there. So it quickly morphed into more of a full service marketing agency. And that's really what it became. So, you know, Disney was one of our clients. Um, you know, we had some pretty big clients in the direct to consumer direct marketing space. Yeah. And, um, you know, ran that for five years. So that was, you know, we were building websites, we were doing, you know, film production for, uh, TV spots, short form, you know, um, uh, TV spots. We did radio offline, obviously the digital space, um, as far as Facebook and Google and, you know, the whole digital marketing presence. So, you know, we were really kind of a, a, a soup to nuts marketing agency. Um, and I wow. think through that time, you, you have a lot of great experiences with some awesome companies and some awesome brands and you sort of live and die by your clients. And, um, you know, it, it got to the point where I wanted to, to, to do something a little bit different, um, and switch gears. And so as a function of that, you know, basically communicated to all of our clients that were out of the space and, uh, referred them out to third parties. Um, and it, it just aligned perfectly that one of our longstanding, you know, clients was, you know, willing to do an acquisition to retain the book of business and to retain all the employees to keep, keep sailing away. And as a function of that, was able to retain the IP that we had built from a technology perspective, you know, a couple of the key employees, um, and was able to start and focus as really a software solution that, you know, meshed the digital marketing and, you know, uh, marketing agency presence with the call center world and really morph those two things into a software as a service platform. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how it morphed into what it is today. So, I mean, you, you morph these two pieces together. Obviously, you saw a need in the industry, right? You saw something that was there that wasn't being addressed, or at least it wasn't addressed well enough for you to feel that you could create not only a company, but have it thrive or go into a space where it either didn't exist or uh, you knew you could do it better. So what differentiated in focus from the competitors if you even had any? I mean, it was, I think it was hands down just transparency. Um, you know, the call center space, it's a pretty, you know, Everyone says they can do better, you know, and everyone has astronomical conversion rates and different, you know, KPI metrics that, you know, may or may not be accurate. So I think the level of transparency, um, you know, and loyalty in the call center space is pretty, pretty poor. Um, and on the agency side of things for marketing, it's really expensive, right? If you don't have a ton of capital, um, you know, capital resources to do a proper marketing campaign, you can't hire an agency that's, you know, the right fit to, to take you from, you know, a concept or a brand to the next level. And, um, you know, I, I think transparency is probably the main driver there is like, we wanted to just create a platform to take off any, you know, any of the, you know, hidden doors that people could hide behind, right? You know, don't just ask a call center for a report that they could, you know, manually manipulate. Um, give them full access, give them a direct port into that agent, into the agent so that they can, you know, determine for themselves what the true performance and the true quality is of that person. Um, so I think, I think that's probably what it mainly was, was let's, let's get rid of all the disconnected pieces and, you know, the, the hidden places for people to hide as far as, you know, 
um, what goes on in those two worlds and let's just bring it to the surface and have it be a fully transparent platform that's really, really focused on customer experience and gives you that singular place to, you know, follow and track all of the metrics that matter. Got it. So would you say that it used to be very transactional, not very clear on what you were getting yourself into, and then maybe even having visibility into it so you can make the right decisions for your business? So if you're out here, you have a product or a service, direct to consumer, direct response, and now all of a sudden you're in a position where you have to curate all the different pieces. Hopefully they all mesh and work well together. Uh, hopefully you're getting the right info. It's accurate. You're not getting taken for either on cost or timing. And all these pieces may not be blending together, right? Yep. So specifically here, uh, it really sounds like it comes down to being able to not only do it on demand and at scale, but also to be able to make it from someone really knowing what they're getting into, right? For sure. And I think another part of it too, especially when you're in the call center space, you know, the attrition and the hiring, um, I mean, it's a beast, right? I mean, to to have the right staff at the right times, you either have way too many agents that are sitting around twirling their thumbs. And as employees, they're a massive sunk cost. Or on the other side of it, you've got a couple hundred calls in queue, and then your customers are pissed, <laughs> you know, because of the service levels, right? So I think in the call center space, you live in this world that it's, it's nearly impossible to properly scale up and down to the demand and the volatility of direct response. Um, so that was probably between transparency of all the, all the dots and all the disconnected pieces as far as data and just the human element of scaling up and down to meet the needs of this volatile environment that we live in, which is really direct response, right? Um, direct response is a beast. And I think it's a very niche market that's difficult to understand and is very difficult to perfect. And in the call center space, Nobody can do that, right? It's just not possible, right? And I think what we're starting to, you know, to, to get into is what's possible is by bringing everyone together, you know, bringing call centers that used to look at each other as competitors, have them use our software for their internal operations. But then when they have a ton of agents sitting around with nothing to do, they can tap into this marketplace through the software and fill that, you know, that that empty space so that they're getting the best utilization out of their agents. And then on the flip side, if they have a hundred calls in queue, they also have this marketplace to overflow to. And it's in this very kind of controlled environment. But at the end of the day, it's about bringing people together, not coming out there and being disruptive and, and uh, competing against everybody, but more so being disruptive by, you know, changing the norm and allowing call centers to actually work together. Cause at the end of the day, it's really, it's the agent on the other side of it that makes the difference, not what company that agent works for. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're the face of the business, right? Exactly. They are the voice of the business. They are the one that is your business in that moment. And that really is your client's experience and how they experience that will make or break whether or not they will do business with you and how much they'll spend with you over time or they'll still continue to be a business with you. And especially if you have other products or services, whether or not there's opportunities to continue yeah. that relationship. So, you know, that's, that's huge. And it sounds like the model is really designed of meeting the inefficiencies of two worlds, right? One world is, I don't always need you. The other world is I have a bunch of people. They're not always doing something, yeah. right? And so how do you marry those two together in a more transparent, clear way? So that's awesome. So it sounds like from a creativity standpoint, you've really kind of added some 
flair here. You've put it some additional pieces, but do you see any in particular pieces of creativity that you've infused into this current job? Um, you know, I mean, I think from a creativity standpoint, I think the biggest thing for us has been the brick and mortar world versus the virtual world. And I've gotten the most pushback on this, you know, from my internal teams, from our investors, from just the marketplace as a whole, where, you know, some people say, why don't you just be fully virtual, right? Just be your inner virtual environment, be a software company that's in virtual environment for this marketplace. But, you know, you lose a massive layer of culture and community and experience that you get from being in those physical call center environments, right? Where you jump into a cash queue where you're doing a promotion and you're actually sitting next to somebody competing. You just can't replicate that stuff, stuff in a virtual way. So I think as far as the creative element and really the game changer for us, it's about creating those environments where you can bring culture and you can bring community but you have the, the scalability of a virtual presence, right? So it's really that hybrid environment. Um, so we call them in focus hubs. These are basically small kind of versions of a call center for us. Um, you know, it's more of a, you know, a works, a shared workspace type of setting as far as the environments and, you know, kind of the throughput of people coming in and out. Um, but it's where we're really like developing culture and keeping culture there. Um, even though, their typical work is being done in a virtual environment at home. Um, so I, I think probably the biggest creative element is, you know, harnessing that, right? And, and there's so much creativity that happens with producing that, uh, that culture and that experience. Nobel Biz's trusted caller ID is the latest breakthrough in outbound calling technology, allowing you to register your numbers with the carrier ecosystem while reducing the probability of call blocking and mislabeling. Our team promises to go through your numbers to make sure they are fully compliant and we keep our promises. Visit NobelBiz.com for more information. Yeah. And that's huge right now, right? It's being able to tap into talent you may not otherwise get in a virtual world. But then on the flip side, you also have that sense of your culture. You have the ability to find that balance, right? It's not one or the other. It's how do you find how they complement one each other versus compete against one another. So um, that's awesome. And so, you know, what do you see as the future for yourself and for the company going forward? I mean, the future is we completely disrupt the call center industry um, and completely turn it upside down. <laughs> um, I think there's, there's it, it, you know, right now it's very split, right? There's some people that look at us as a threat and some people that think what we're doing is crazy and, and not the right solution. Then on the other side of it, you've got uh, people that are super excited about it. So I, I think the path is let's disrupt a really, really old gray hair industry and, you know, modernize it and, and turn it into something that gives the flexibility that's really required for this, this world today. Um, I mean, our customers are owning products or service that they're selling direct to consumer and those consumers have so many choices today. So their experience yeah. with that brand is critical. Um, if they have one bad interaction with a customer service agent, they're just, you know, it's no longer, let me talk to your supervisor. It's, you know, 
cancel, chargeback, refund. I'll go to the other solution that does the same freaking thing. <laughs> yeah, people don't stop buying. They just stop buying from you. Right? Yeah, exactly. So the options are there for consumers to have choices. So I think for us, it's about revolutionizing the call center space so that when people think of call center, it's not this really gross negative connotation that most people have. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a different version of that, right? It's, it's, uh, it's new, it's fresh, it's revolutionizing. It's not something that people, you know, sitting at a family dinner table are, uh, you know, ashamed to say they're working at a call center, right? Or what well, we like, you know, it's a contact center now because it's not just calls anymore. But yeah, I think, I think that's where, that's where my passion is, is fueling me is to, to change that and really, you know, change the mold. Well, that's awesome. I think uh, obviously you have the passion for it. You have uh, the, the team that you have around you to be able to not only do what you're doing today, but with how you, you want to approach going forward. So Jake, thanks so much for being on the show. Really fun talking with you. So where can we find you on social media? So, uh, you know, we're just starting to go to market. So we're just starting to put ourselves out there. Um, you know, in focus with the five, <laughs> um, you know, you know, I, I think you'll, you'll start seeing us out there on social media. Uh, we're going to start doing our own TV radio print and actually being our own internal marketing engine. Um, so hopefully it'll come to you, but, uh, if you want to come to us, it's just that infocus.com and hopefully you'll see us everywhere. Awesome. Well, we look forward to that. So if you like what you just heard, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, with new exclusive clips on YouTube. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Thanks for joining us for the first contact, Stories of the Call Center with Christian Montes. See you next time. This podcast was written and produced by Lauren Chasson with co-producers Steve Biederman, Lauren Chasson, and Christian Montes.